I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today we will be talking about everybody's favorite aunt, Miss Petunia Dursley. <laughs> what about Aunt Muriel? Aunt Muriel, man, I really forgot about her. Doing her dirty. <laughs> and and like Auntie Bellatrix? <laughs> oh, I was thinking, um, oh, I guess that's his great aunt. Like, I look like my great aunt Tessie. I smell like my great aunt Tessie. <laughs> That's funny. Um, wow. A lot of good aunts in the series, I guess. Yeah. I guess Molly's, I was going to say a lot of the, like, grown women are technically aunts, but I guess Molly's not, because I don't think her brothers had any children. No. Yeah. But yeah, like, Narcissa's an aunt. Bellatrix is an aunt. Oh, Narcissa's... Andromeda's and Tonks's. Yeah. 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 Um. <laughs> Lots of aunts out there. <laughs> I don't like that you say aunt and I say aunt, so then when we're talking about it, it sounds It'll like we're talking about different it. things. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, I feel like people say that that's a regional thing, but I don't know if I agree. I think it's just... I don't know. Like I don't know what it is. Like obviously it's what your family say says. No. I think real people weird people say aunt. Aunt. Say you. Aunt. Sounds like you're trying to be British. Well, we're talking about Aunt Petunia. <laughs> uh, anyways. Speaking of somebody who's an aunt, our patron <laughs> of the episode is Beth. <laughs> Ooh, and she goes by Auntie Beth. Not Auntie Beth, so... Well, if she was my aunt, I would call her Auntie Beth. <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> Great discussion. Yeah. Um, our announcements, we don't have anything to tell you besides Happy New Year. Happy yeah. 2021. Yeah. I don't... I'm not one of those people that really thinks that a new year means, like... A change but hopefully this year it does yeah like I'm not big on like new year's resolutions and all of that stuff but I hope that I think everybody I think the running joke just everybody is saying that we like at bare minimum we just hope 2021 is better than 2020 which I feel like is a pretty low bar at this point but honestly who knows you never know you you never know so yeah I hope everybody had a nice holiday season and a nice new year celebration with loved ones if that was possible and if not i hope that you had good zooms because i know my family did (laughs) yeah and i know katie got kind of sappy last episode (laughs) i think it was last episode but just generally like thank you all so much for supporting us into our coming into our second year of existence here so You know, hopefully this keeps going. Yeah. Oh, and before I forget, this kind of just popped into my mind. So as Audrey kind of alluded to, we are coming up on our second birthday on March 1st. And if anybody has, like, any ideas of what we should do to celebrate, because I don't think either of us have anything in mind particularly, like, let us know. Maybe something that you want to see. 
do you want us to do our Harry episode <laughs> on, our, on, the, on the birthday? Um, should it I, don't, be, I, I gotta plan like months out for that. I think it's too late. <laughs> should we redo our Ron episode in honor of his birthday and fun. our two year birthday? Um, yeah, just let us know if there's anything that you would love to see a live stream, a new giveaway. Let us know. Yeah, something we're, creative. Though. Yeah, yeah, because we're kind of running out of ideas here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, at age two, you really have done it all, so there's yeah. nothing left to do. <laughs> yeah, honestly. All right, should we start? Should we start I guess. Yeah, I'm excited, actually. I know that, that I guess did not sound very excited, but I am actually very excited. Okay. So, Petunia Dursley, formerly Evans, um, and there's quite a bit on her first name, as the author wrote about it on Wizarding World, formerly Pottermore. Um, so I'm just going to read this kind of long, rambly thing about the name Petunia, because I didn't feel like summarizing it. <laughs> so it says, Petunia is the name that I always gave unpleasant female characters in games of make-believe I played with my sister Di when we were very young. Uh, where I got it, I was never sure, until recently a friend of mine played me a series of public information films that were shown on television when we were young. He collects such things and put them on his laptop to enjoy at leisure. One of them was an animation in which a married couple sat on a cliff enjoying a picnic and watching a man drowning in the sea below. The thrust of the film was, don't wait back, call the lifeguard. The husband called his wife Petunia, and I suddenly wondered whether that was where I got this most unlikely name, because I had never met anybody called Petunia, or, to my knowledge, read about them. The subconscious is a very odd thing. The cartoon Petunia was a fat, cheery character, so all I seem to have taken is her name. So, yeah, I didn't know that there was that much to it. Apparently, the author didn't know that there was that much to it. I always just thought, like... Lily, keep with the flower names, Petunia, um, and it just kind of feels like a little bit like of a snooty name to me. No offense if yeah. your name's Petunia, but <laughs> probably right. just because I associate that with it. Like, I don't know if any other Petunias. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I was looking at the etymology section on the wiki because I think they talk about like the petunia, like petunia the flower, a little bit. Oh, and it what says petunia flowers themselves are used to represent resentment along with anger. The alternative oh. meaning is wanting the comfort of another person, which is lightly implied when she asks to attend Hogwarts with her sister. It should also be noted that the flower is not known for smelling particularly good. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even. I usually look there, but I didn't even think to because they have all this information. Yeah. But yeah, I I like that. She is a very angry person. Did we look up what like Lily's meant for the Lily episode? Probably not. <laughs> I don't know if we did read this, but it's interesting. The given name Lily comes from the name of the flower, which is a symbol of purity. Um. Purity and love, they represent purity and love in Europe, and it's often associated with the Virgin Mary. One type of flower is known as the Madonna Lily. Greek mythology also links lilies to the muses and to the goddess Hera. In China, lily means forever in love, and we're thought to be capable, capable of averting evil. Hmm. So, 
I like that. Yeah. The the purity thing is kind of interesting. I like the associations with love, but I can I feel like I can also see the purity thing like obviously Lily Potter had sex because she Harry was born. But you know it's connected but, to the Virgin Mary. You never know. Um, but I think like Lily is seen as a very like pure character, like the ultimate good you know we often criticize james we rarely criticize lily um she's just very like idealized by snape and by kind of everyone who remembers her yeah i like that um so we don't know petunia's birthday but we do know that lily was born in 1960 and we know that petunia petunia is older than lily so before 1960 at some point and I assume she's not much older. Yeah, I, like, had that in my Lily-Petunia relationship. Like, I kind of always assumed that there was, like, a year, maybe two years in between them. Like, I figured... Yeah. I, I always kind of imagined that they were pretty close in age. Yeah, I agree. And she died sometime before 2020. Um, she was dead by the time of Cursed Child, if you take that as canon. And I think Katie's going to talk about that a little bit later. Is that why 2020 was such a shit year? Because it's the year that Cursed Child happened in. Like, <laughs> did the author do this to us? That is us? the explanation, honestly. <laughs> I, think that, you, I think you got it. All the timeline meddling, like, time really fought back. It's all <laughs> Albus Severus's fault. Time really fought back. God. Um, anyways, so she is a muggle. But if we are to believe kind of like the... Um, the genetics part of like Muggleborns. Um, at some point in her family line, there was a wizard, and she has like. I don't know if it's to assume that like Petunia doesn't have like the wizard blood in her, and Lily does, and that's why Lily is a wizard, or whether there's just like more mm. of it in Lily, or I don't really think there's an explanation to that. But there, theoretically, there should have been a magical person within their lineage. Yeah. And then her family includes Lily Potter, her younger sister. Her parents are Mr. and Mrs. Evans, and we don't have names for them. Vernon, obviously, is her husband, and she has one son who she chose to name Dudley. Why? Who knows? <laughs> I could not tell ya. Is, like, is Dudley a name? Like, obviously it's a name, but, like, is Dudley... <laughs> Like a name that people are named in England, because it's not it's not one in the United States to the best of my ability, like knowledge, you know. Yeah, it must be. Like I'm not saying there's nobody in the United States named Dudley. I'm just saying it's not like there are Dudleys running around. It's not even like a rare name. It's just like not a name. Yeah. <laughs> like I yeah, have I never in my life like encountered another Dudley. Like is that a thing in the like in Great Britain? Because I think there are like there are names that are like more common in Britain yeah. than in the U.S. So, I mean, British listeners, let us know if you've ever met a Dudley. Yeah. I always just thought it was because their last name is Dursley, and they just kind of like changed the R and the S to a D, and we're like, yeah, that's a name. Close enough. <laughs> Sounds good. Mm. Interesting. I do generally love a great allit- like alliteration in names, but Dudley Jersey might be the exception to that. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> um, under her skills and achievement from Muggle, the MuggleNet Compendium book that Audrey has, they are mother, 
which I guess is like an achievement and not a skill because if it was a skill, it'd be like motherhood, mothering, like mothering, being a good mother. But I guess it's just an achievement to Petunia. Um, spine on she doesn't have much else going for her, so she really doesn't. <laughs> spine on the neighbors and gardening, and I'll talk a little bit about like her being a mother later in the episode. And then her magic fact, which is funny because she's not magical, um, from the same Mugglenet book, Petunia detested magic because she was jealous of her younger sister's magic as a child. And I know Katie is also going to talk about that. So basically this fact file has just been little previews of what Katie's going to talk about and I'm not going to talk for the rest of the episode. Yeah, what Ivy <laughs> talks about will be wild cards. Who knows? <laughs> So, for her first mention, everybody say it with me now. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet Drive were proud to say they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. Um, that's not what I'm actually going to say. It's, even though that's like technically her first mention, and then I'm going to go farther into that page with just about the description of her. So, it says Mrs. Dursley was thin and blonde and had nearly twice the usual amount of neck, which came in very useful as she spent so much of her time craning over garden fences, spying on the neighbors. So, I do think that's like a lost fact in a lot of things that like the Dursleys are meant to be blonde. I was just thinking that, like, I feel like I, when I'm reading the books, I remember to think of. Dudley as blonde, mm. but I have such a hard time seeing Petunia as blonde. Yeah. I wonder if that was, if like the intention of that was kind of to make Harry feel even more kind of like an outfit. Yeah, so he, he like doesn't even look anything like them. Yeah. I just, sorry, I was just reading the Mr. Dursley description. Um, it doesn't say that he's blonde, but it doesn't say he's not blonde either. <laughs> I but he, like he, he just said he was hair. a big, beefy man with hardly any neck, although he did have a very large mustache. I feel like he has gray hair. Probably. With the amount of, like, yelling and, like, stress that this man probably has all the time, <laughs> and, like, uptight he is, he definitely has gray yeah, hair. he's probably been gray, like, since he was 20. <laughs> oh my gosh, my grandma was like that. Not because of, like, stress or anything, just, like, genetics. So, like, I really got to keep, keep an eye on my hair. Mm. Well, you like dyeing your hair anyway, so... Yeah. So, it pains me to do this section once again. Because Petunia's personality type is ISFJ, the Defender, which happens to be my personality type. We're really racking up the bad characters here. <laughs> I need to uh, get some bad characters for Katie's. I don't know. <laughs> So no, my characters are always just like the popular it's, characters. Isn't it like Cedric and Lily? And yeah, it's like, like Cedric. I think Fleur might be. Yeah. My personality type as well. Like, just honestly, just like the people that, like you want like the be beautiful people. With. Yeah, like right where I belong. Um. So yeah, the ISFJ personality type is also shared by Neville and Cho. Some good ones, and then Pettigrew. Um, and as I mentioned on Twitter, I found this meme where it's like a chart and it puts all the personality types and it like oh, yeah, finishes yeah. the sentence. And so the sentence for, or the tagline for ISFJs are bold of you to try me, which I do think fits myself well. And I feel like I could also see it fitting Petunia fairly well, 
Like, I feel like she would lash out. I don't actually know what the numbers of my personality, like, sorry, not the numbers, the letters, but I think it's ENFP. Like, I recognize the little, like, man by it. I feel like that one's mine. And that one's bold of you to ignore me, and I feel like that fits with the, like... That fits really well. <laughs> Let me confirm that that's your personality type, though. Okay. You are ESFJ. You're, like, the same as me, except one, except an E. And that is... Please talk to me. <laughs> Please talk. Which is a similar vein. Yeah, it's, like, pretty much the same, but less, like, aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Which feels right. Okay. Please talk to me. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, Petunia, ISFJ, all of the bad qualities. Um, <laughs> so, the defender personality type is quite unique as many of their qualities defy the definition of their tra- individual traits. Those sen- sensitive defenders have excellent analytical abilities, they're reserved, they have well developed people skills and robust social relationships. And though they are generally a conservative type, defenders are often receptive to change and new ideas. So I think definitely like the initial descriptors of all of those kind of sentences, like sensitive, reserved, and conservative totally fit what we think of as Petunia. Um, and then kind of like the contrary things, like I think she does have people skills in the sense of like, I feel like her and Vernon are always hosting and entertaining and like, she's a people pleaser. I don't know that people really like her or she particularly even really likes interacting with people, but she like knows what to do to make people happy. Um, you know, like be a good hostess. Um, and I was intrigued by like the receptive to change and new ideas because I think that's kind of not really how she is. I think so much of Petunia embodies this kind of contradiction that this person out that is at like the center of this personality type and like a lot of that comes back to like the main trait that we know about her, the main like life forming event that like she was very excited about magic and wanted it and then was rejected by it. And so then as as a response to the rejection from Hogwarts to learning that like even though her sister is magical, she's not, she rejected magic in return. And so I think that like at the core of her personality, she could be receptive to change and new ideas. Like she has that in her, but because of what happened to her, um, she's become someone that like doesn't like change and rejects all of that. And I mean, I think generally she is just like a little bit more receptive to change than Vernon. Like I think Vernon would always have been a person who rejected change. Does any of this make sense? I feel like I'm just like (laughs) saying rejected. I think that it's like for me when I was doing my notes for this, I think it's very difficult to find out who Petunia really is because I do think a lot of her is like this show that she puts on of like doing her best to reject magic when all she wants to do is like accept it into her life. So I feel like it is really hard to parse out like who is Petunia versus who is the Petunia that we see in front of us, if that makes sense. Like I feel like she represses a lot of who she is because of how bitter and resentful she is. So it's kind of is difficult to see like, and I think there are points where we see like the real Petunia come out throughout the series. Yeah. 
But it is hard to see like where that line is because we also don't want to become too sympathetic of her because she does terrible things as well. I it, it's also hard to tease out because I think that I I think that I can tell what like her like innate personality is, you know, like maybe who the person she was like raised as and then the thing that changed everything for her was like Lily getting her letter and Petunia not getting one, right? And so we said that Petunia is maybe two years older. So that happened when she was 12 or 13. And like at this point, she's lived longer as this like repressed um, kind of, uh, what's the word for it? Resentful person. Like bitter. Than she bitter. has as the, the child that maybe she was before. So now like is this the real Petunia or is who she could have been had that not happened to her, the real Petunia? And it's hard to like tease out, but like getting back to just this point about being receptive to change, I think obviously if she were also magical like Lily, she would have dove right into it. Um, And so much of just what we see to her comes back to that bitterness and I think that's a difference with her and Vernon because I feel like Vernon was just always bitter like that. Um, and I think, like, I guess the baseline receptive to change is, like, you can say she didn't bring Harry to an orphanage. Like, she did, she did the bare minimum of letting him live in her house. Um, and we could talk more about that later with, like, the letter and what Dumbledore had to have said to her. But, like, she did do the bare minimum. And I think if it was left to Ver- left up to Vernon, they would not have done that. I would agree, yeah. All right. <laughs> so defender personalities are often meticulous to the point of perfectionism and though they procrastinate they can always be relied on to get the job done on time they take their responsibilities personally consistently going above and beyond doing everything they can to exceed expectations and delight others at work and at home so i mean she's certainly the ideal of a house she fulfills the ideal of a housewife she's always seems like her whole day is just working to keep the home in order and to make it look pristine and do her gardening. Um, especially, we often see like the lead up to a guest coming, so we see her doing all of these chores and making Harry do all of these chores. Um, and she seems to take her responsibilities within the home very seriously. I mean, she does like devote her life to raising Dudley and supporting Vernon. And we could talk about how well or not well she raises Dudley later, but you can't question that that is like what she has chosen to give her everything to. And even if maybe we think she's not a great mother, she's not particularly good at it. Like she takes it very seriously and throws herself into it. And like Dudley and Vernon are her whole life. Um, I do think we see that, like, personal, like, taking responsibilities personally with Harry, at least to an extent, again. I mean, she does give him a terrible childhood, like I said, but she does the bare minimum, um, because she feels at least some responsibility with him being Lily's child. Like, there is some part of her that feels like she is personally responsible for him, Um, not for his happiness, but maybe for, like, him being alive. Doing the bare minimum. Yep, again, bare minimum. (laughs) 
Um, the challenge for defenders is ensuring that what they do is noticed. They have a tendency to underplay their accomplishments, and while their kindness is often respected, more cynical and selfish people are likely to take advantage of defenders' dedication and humbleness by pushing work onto them and then taking the credit. Defenders need to know when to say no and stand up for themselves if they are to maintain their confidence and enthusiasm. So I think that's something that Petunia never learned to do. Um, we never see her work get noticed or appreciated by Vernon or Dudley. Um, Dudley straight up, like, I think he has no idea all the things he do, she does for him. Um, maybe Vernon knows what she does, but, like, I don't think we ever see him say thank you or, like, oh, this is a nice dinner or thanks for cleaning the house so that we can entertain this person that I want to have over or, like, thanks for, you know just doing all this stuff for my sister, like, all these things. Um, she spends all day giving them the quote-unquote perfect home life, and she really gets any help or thank yous, and, like, I think that just, like, probably is just building the resentment, you know? Like, it's just piling on. I know I would be resentful if that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, naturally social and odd quality for introverts, defenders utilize excellent memories not to retain data and trivia, but to remember people and details about their lives. This I thought was funny because, you know, she is a, likes her gossip, likes knowing things about the neighbors. Um, and when it comes to gift giving, defenders have no equal, using their imagination and natural sensitivity to express their generosity in ways that touch the hearts of their recipients. <laughs> I mean, she certainly gives Dudley quite a bit of gifts, a fuck ton of gifts, if you will. And her gifts to Harry are memorable, I yeah. would say, maybe. Yeah. Um, I remember the we tissue. Could, we the could call hanger. gift giving maybe a, maybe a skill. <laughs> and then for strengths, we have supportive, reliable, and patient, imaginative, and observant, enthusiastic, loyal, and hardworking, and good practical skills. Um, I think supportive and loyal and hardworking really jump out. Observant. Um, yeah, observant. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't pick that one out because it's paired with imaginative, but yeah. definitely observant. And then for weaknesses, we have humble and shy, take things too personally, repress their feelings, repress wow. their feelings, <laughs> um, overload themselves, reluctant to change, and too altruistic. Um, so then we get, like, in weaknesses, we get reluctant to change, but they're sometimes receptive yeah. to change. I've always been confused by that since I've read this personality type many times. <laughs> but yeah, I think it I think it fits okay. Yeah. Um so whatever. I'll let her I'll let her be in the club. Gotta get a good one in here. <laughs> yeah. So moving on to like a big portion of who we know like how we know Petunia and who we know Petunia as I think as well as a big portion of this episode is her relationship with Lily her sister and I know that we've kind of alluded to like the big life-changing event and the catalyst in her life being that she's not magical but I think at the end of the day that comes down to her relationship with Lily because of the fact that Lily is magical is like really yeah. I think is almost more important than her not being magical at the end of the day, if that makes sense. Like, Lily having something that she doesn't. It's the difference. Yeah. 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 
Uh, so as we mentioned earlier, Petunia and Lily were born to Mr. and Mrs. Evans, who I assume have very bland white people names. Like, that's just my guess. Coming from a family of very bland white people Wait, names. give them names. Give them names. I feel like... I feel like Mrs. is like Cheryl. I could see Cheryl, and I want to say Bob Evans, but I think that's just because it's like a restaurant. Um, <laughs> but I could, I could see like a Robert, a Robert Evans. Robert and Cheryl. Robert and Cheryl. I could see it. Um, and like we said earlier, Petunia is the older sister of an unknown number of years, but like we've said, probably like our best guess, like one to two years apart. Like I don't see them being very apart in age. And then they grew up around Spinner's End because that's where Snape grew up. And I don't know if this is explicitly said in the series or whether this is just kind of like something that I've picked up from it. But like it's kind of alluded to anyways. Like they live in like a nicer neighborhood adjacent to Spinner's End. Like Spinner's End is kind of like the not so nice part of the neighborhood because like Snape is poor. We know that like Lily and Petunia have better clothes than him, a better home yeah. life. Um, so I kind of always assumed it was, like, a neighborhood nearby that was, like, a little bit of a nicer neighborhood. Maybe. I could buy that. Um, and then I believe, like, again, I don't know if this is alluded to in that memory, if it's just something that, like, I've picked up on, but I always kind of assumed that they had a fairly decent relationship before this big cast event. Like, I think that Lily and Petunia, like, I feel like Lily was laid back enough to kind of, like, let Petunia's like stuffiness kind of like roll off her back and be like oh so silly like I think she called her like Toonie is that right mm-hmm. like yeah. I think she kind of like saw her as like oh you're so silly with all of like your uptight and stuffiness like ha 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 you know and I think that Petunia's like the balance of them worked my guess I agree that I think they like could be said as having like a very good relationship before yeah um, I think that that makes it more tragic, so maybe that's why I have it that way in my head. Yeah. So then when Lily started hanging out with Snape and, like, learning more about magic and getting ready to head off, head off to Hogwarts, this is when their relationship, like, really took a turn. And I think, again, we've kind of talked about this life-changing event, and I feel like the moment was getting the rejection letter from Dumbledore like that was that was the moment where everything changed for Petunia because I think she was like resentful before but this was the final like slam the door shut yeah like you you can't become magical like there's nothing you can do like this is always going to be some difference between you and your sister yeah, and, like, obviously we know she had hope at that point because she wrote asking to be admitted into Hogwarts, you know, like, thinking that it could have been a possibility. But getting the, like, rejection letter from from Dumbledore and, like, Lily actually leaving, I think, was the specific moment where she started to become resentful and become this person that we see her as in the beginning of Sorcerer's Stone and throughout the series. Um, like we've said a million times, Petunia was incredibly jealous of Lily's abilities and the fact that she was leaving for Hogwarts and entering this magical world and leaving Petunia behind. Yeah, I think that's something that I, obviously we always talk about like her being jealous of the magic part, but like, I always forget like Lily left, like she 
Petunia, since she was whatever, one or two years old, had always had her younger sister. And, like, then her sister, like, moved away and essentially went to boarding school. And Petunia was just, like, stuck with her parents, like, lost probably her best friend, her playmate, like... And it's always kind of weird when, like, the younger sister does that first. Like, that's a little strange. Um, it feels, like, it, it feels out of order. And then on top of that, like, she's not just leaving to go to boarding school. Like, she's entering a whole new world that Petunia is not a part of. Yeah, and, like, in Petunia's eyes, and I think in, like, pretty much most people's eyes, like, Lily's leaving for, like, a cooler world, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, with magic, with... Endless possibilities, it seems, you know? Yeah. Like, a, a so much, like, a such better world than the one that Petunia lives in. Mm-hmm. So, this is when she went on to, like, this is when she went from, like, resenting her sister. I, like, I think she resented her sister the whole time, but I think when she got that rejection letter and Lily left, she started to, like, resent all things magic. And yeah. she kind of pushed herself, like, repressed herself, as we talked about before, into this, like, life of mundaneness basically like she wanted the opposite like I think you like mentioned this or at least alluded to it that like the magical world rejected her and she wanted to feel like she had the power to like reject the magical world back Mm -hmm. and so she like completely did a 360 like went as far the other way she can she married the most boring man alive she lived in the most boring street like on the most boring street of the most in the most boring house you know she wanted things to be so normal and so opposite from this life that she was kind of tempted by in her youth and I'm not like a psychologist or anything but like that had to like fuck her up in the head right like I don't think a healthy person would do this complete like 180 and push herself into this life of normality and it like it feels kind of like she felt bad that she was tempted to like join this magical world like at least at the point where we see her in the series yeah you know like she's gone so far the opposite direction she's that like she ashamed feels, of it yeah and i think like vernon aids that yeah i mean i don't think vernon knows that at one point she wanted that i also think it's just it's so sad because her doing this 180 and in, in turn rejecting magic more than it rejected her it caused, like, so much to happen that didn't need to happen. You know, like, Lily going away to Hogwarts and being a witch would have put a strain on their relationship regardless, right? It's time that they're, like, moved apart from each other, and it's this difference. There will be that jealousy, um, and they'll always kind of live in different worlds, but, like, there's no reason for Petunia to not have a relationship with Lily. Like... Lily is still muggle-born. I'm still she I'm sure she still had a relationship with her parents until her parents passed away. And like there's just no reason why like she couldn't be around Lily, like why they couldn't continue to be to act like sisters and be sisters. And obviously Lily ended up dying really not that long after all of this, but like I don't know, you have to wonder like if Later in life, I think I think Lily would have continued to keep reaching out, and you have to wonder, like, if Petunia ever would have taken that bait. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if this is something we 
really see that much of Miss Snape's memories, but, like, what it was like when Lily came home when she started going to Hogwarts, you know, like, what their relationship was like then. Yeah. Um, If it was kind of this, like, completely frosty cutoff from Petunia, or if it was kind of like, I know my sister's back, I missed her. Yeah, I don't know. So then just kind of a little bit more about their relationship post-Hogwarts and the stuff that we quote-unquote know that happens, depending (laughs) on what you consider canon. Um, So her and Vernon got engaged, and we talked about this on the Lily and James episode. So we believe that this meeting happened like the winter break of Lily and James' seventh year. So... Lily and James have a, like, dinner with Vernon and Petunia, and I think, like, this is supposed to be, like, like, I don't know if Lily has met Vernon at this point, like, this is post their engagement, so I wonder if it's, like, oh, Mm. come meet Vernon, or if Lily's, like, come meet my new boyfriend, like, I assume those are kind of one of the two catalysts, and it's interesting that this, like, even happened, honestly, and it kind of maybe alludes to the fact that their relationship wasn't as bad, until Vernon kind of came into the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but this did not go well. It was, to be fair, it was mainly Vernon and James that caused the problems, <laughs> not even so much Petunia and Lily. Like, Vernon spent the entire dinner trying to, like, patronize James and, like, prove that he's better than him, and James was kind of, like, making fun of Vernon the entire time. And so that happened. And then this leads to... Lily not being asked to be a bridesmaid at Petunia's upcoming wedding, which we also talked about. And, like, thinking of it on Petunia's side, like, and we kind of talked earlier about, does she have friends? Like, who would have been her bridesmaid? Like, all, like, she... (laughs) I mean, she doesn't have friends when we see her. But, like, maybe in college she had, like, semi-good enough friends in college to at least, like, be I don't think she went to college. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, because I'm going to talk about it. She took a, she went and took a typing course in London, and oh. then got an office job. And oh, like, that's right, that's right. If all of this is happening when, like, Lily is like 17, then what? Petunia is like 19, 20 yeah. max. So yeah. like, I think that she got married very young. Yeah, maybe like younger school friends that like, I don't know. She was still like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, so then, like I said... Maybe Lily, Marge was a bridesmaid. Oh my god, she probably was. <laughs> Maybe that was, was her the only choice. Bridesmaid. We're talking about, like, Petunia's rejection of magic as this life-changing moment, but what really sealed the deal was her choosing Marge as her maid of honor no. over Lily. Yeah. And, like, I feel like it's almost more insulting that they were still invited to the wedding. Yeah. And like, yeah. Lily wasn't a bridesmaid. Um, I feel like if your relationship is bad enough with your sister that you wouldn't ask her to be a bridesmaid at your wedding, like, I don't know if... I don't think you should invite her. should invite her to the wedding at all. But that's just me. Um, and then I think Lily and James invited Petunia and Vernon to their wedding and they, like, declined. They did not show up to Lily and James' yeah. wedding. And then the last known correspondence between the two sisters was Lily sent them a birth announcement for Harry, and it said that Petunia promptly threw it in the bin. So. Wow. 
Yeah, well, okay, so another layer about this conversation of, like, who is the real Petunia, I think comes in with Vernon, which we'll talk about in this next section, but, like, how much of the Petunia we see in the books is, number one, the real Petunia, quote-unquote, pre Mm -hmm. this life-changing event, the post-life-changing event Petunia, but then there's another layer of post-meeting Vernon, you know, like, we see with this timeline of her and her sister, when she meets Vernon, it gets worse, supposedly, you know, like, they it went to dinner, it went terribly, she wasn't a bridesmaid, and then they never really talked ever again, like, they didn't go to the wedding, Yeah. so how much of the Petunia we see in the books is a combination of those three things, you know, it's very, she's a very layered character. Okay, I was just going to say, you know how in Shrek, Shrek is like, ogres are like onions. <laughs> is Petunia an onion? Petunia is an onion. Can you, wait, can you please and do that quote again in your best Scottish accent? Because, like, I, I, that's how it needs to be I said. can't do a Scottish <laughs> Ogres are like... <laughs> I, I make... <laughs> that's not I don't even I don't even know how to begin to do a Scottish accent so ogres are like onions you need like that you need like that phrase that gets you into the accent you know and I don't I have need, one of those I need something Scott, yeah I need to just hear Shrek say it but I don't know donkey <laughs> donkey <laughs> donkey <laughs> anyway so my point here is like petunia is like an onion and each, each event created another layer on her, you know? And the core and so like, is her... The pre- core, the, like, bulb of the onion is, like, child Petunia. And is that the real Petunia, or is the real Petunia, like, the first layer is forming, and that's rejection from Hogwarts, and then it's... And then I think more layers form with all those years of, like, watching Lily thrive. And then, like, the big, like, flaky outer skin is Vernon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard, too, because it's kind of this, like, philosophical question of, like, are we as people the experiences that we've had in our life? Or are we as people, like, who we were meant to be as a child, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, like who we were raised to be before the world kind of yeah. like tainted us, you know? Yeah. But That's her thing, the confusing thing to me, I think where I can't come to that answer is like her like world shaping event happened pretty young. Yeah. And so like, I think if it had happened like when she was like 18 or 19, I would say like the person that is Petunia, like the real Petunia is the person who lived those four, first 18 years. But yeah. like if it happened when she was 13, even like she's not really like a full human at that point. No. So like, I feel like she is the person that she became because of that. Yeah. I don't know. It's very, it's very interesting. <laughs> Speaking of deep questions in life, everybody should go watch the new Pixar movie, Soul. Really good. Very much enjoyed it. Beautiful movie. Beautiful message. Will it give me clarity on Petunia? <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, but it will inspire you to live every day to the fullest. And what that means is up to you. Oh. Does that mean go out and go on an adventure every day? Or does that mean just appreciating the small things in life? You know, eating your favorite food for breakfast. But you just do it every day. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. 
<laughs> anyway, so Petunia's relationship with Vernon. Like I said, we know that they met at work um, because Petunia, like, took a typing course in London. Um, pretty much, I think, like, right when she finished school, she was like, I gotta get out of here. And then she got an office job, and Vernon was a junior executive at the company at the time. I assume it's Grummings. Grumming? Is that the- Grunnings. 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 I also wonder what the age gap is between them. Like, if he was already a junior executive when she, like, was a... Just kind of fresh right, out like, of school. He had to have gone to college. Yeah. So, I don't, like, at most, or at the least, he, it's like four years maybe if she's like yeah. 19 and he's 23. So then, uh, this is all from the Wizarding World article on Vernon and Petunia. Um, so I have some quotes here. It says, by the time he had taken her on a series of dull dates, during which he talked mainly about himself and his predictable ideas on the world, Petunia was dreaming of the moment when he would place a ring on her finger. So, you know, he really wooed her, and then he proposed, (laughs) quote, very correctly, on one knee in his mother's sitting room. Extremely romantic. Um, Obviously, we know that Petunia accepted that beautiful proposal. And what do you think he said in the proposal? Like... Will you marry me? Do you think Do you think there was a speech, or do you think it was just like, will you marry me? I think there was probably, like, at least a one-sentence lead-in of, like, I can't wait for us to start our lives together. Will you marry me? <laughs> also, side note, have you seen the stuff about, like, I guess his boyfriend, like, played a prank on his girlfriend and, like, prank proposed to her in front of her family? Like, bro, that is not funny. <laughs> Okay, that's like a bad idea. I can't believe no one stopped him. <laughs> and like, I didn't read the article, it was just like a headline. And I assumed that like, the girlfriend's family didn't know it was a joke. Like, bro. Yeah, that's not funny. What if she was like, I don't want to marry you? <laughs> then it would be a, t- she topsy-turvy that motherfucker if that's what happened. <laughs> um, uh, Petunia should have done that to Vernon. <laughs> So anyway, Petunia told Vernon about Lily. They were already engaged. So this is, I feel like I asked about this later. Oh, on my, on the Patreon episode. They were already engaged um, and they were on a date in his car eating food from the chip shop after going to the movies. And Vernon was like shocked by this revelation. But I guess he, quote, told Petunia solemnly that he would never hold it against her, that she had a freak for a sister. And Petunia threw herself upon him in such a violent gratitude that he dropped his battered sausage. (laughs) This whole relationship is just like so gross to me. (laughs) Yeah. So then, then we have the dinner where Vernon met Lily and James, and it went terribly. And after their wedding, um, they moved to number four Privet Drive, have not moved since, and they had their beautiful baby boy, Dudley. And, you know, that's pretty much all of the exciting things that happened in Petunia's life. Um, but Until, you know, like, her sister was murdered by a dark wizard, taken <laughs> her nephew... <laughs> No, that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I just want to like, I was thinking a lot about this relationship and I was having the reactions that you were having and like, it just like is kind of gross. You're like, I don't like it. I don't want to like it. I don't like either of the characters. Like there's, n- I don't want to root for them together. I don't want to root for them with other people. Like there's no motivation to really think about this relationship or support it, or whatever. 
Um, and I feel like we want to see something terribly unhealthy in it because we're like, they're bad people, they're mean to everybody else, like, they must be mean to each other. But I really, I don't think that it's, like, extremely unhealthy. I think that, yes, it obviously is incredibly patriarchal. Um, Vernon works and Petunia seems to do nothing other than stay home and cook and clean and, like, serve him. I'm not saying that there's an issue with being a stay-at-home mom, like, but she does it to an extent that, like, her life is to serve him. It's mm-hmm. not... It doesn't seem... That doesn't seem healthy, um, because she doesn't seem to have any interests outside of the home besides, like, eavesdropping on the neighbors. Like, it doesn't even seem like she's friends with the neighbors. Yeah. Um, she seems like a person who, like, has a lot of self-hatred. Like, yeah. And... Maybe that has to do with her earlier life, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, that's, like, the vibe that I get from what you're saying right now, that she doesn't she doesn't seem to, like, feel like she deserves a life outside of, like, her husband. Almost. Yeah. And she doesn't and seem I mean, interested like, either. Yeah. I guess that's where my point comes in, is that, like, I don't think that it is a bad relationship. Like, we see the individual characters negatively because it's through Harry's eyes and they're terrible to Harry. Um, But they do seem to, like, at the core, love each other. I mean, Vernon... Vernon accepts her regardless of what he thinks of Lily and she clearly, like, loves him and wants to be with him, whatever the motivations for, like, that caused her to want that. We can't really understand, but, like, she does... And yes, we know that, like I said earlier, Vernon doesn't seem to be very appreciative of Petunia, but they're never, we never see them be mean or abusive to each other. They really save all of that for Harry. Um, We never see them be like particularly loving to each other, but like it doesn't, it doesn't seem unhealthy in an obvious way. I think Vernon is exactly what Petunia wanted in life after what she saw as her rejection from the magical world and then her response by distancing herself from Lily and from magic. And so, like, she wanted normalcy, and Vernon gave that to her. He strove to give that to her. He did everything he could to give it to her. And, of course, I totally think, like, Petunia could have been a different person if she had married someone who brought out that desire for difference and love for, like, what she saw in Lily. I think she did love Lily, and she loved... I think she did love the fact that Lily was a witch, but she resented it at the same time. And that would have been, like, incredible and an entirely different story if Petunia had found that person. Um... But with her, it always comes back to how she felt rejected and how her response to that. Um, She would have been better off with someone who encouraged her to rekindle her relationship with her sister and to accept differences instead of doing the opposite. But again, she got what she wanted. She, she, She wanted to be with Vernon. She wanted that normalcy. She wanted to reject that. And it was terrible for Harry, but it wasn't necessarily, like, bad for her. It wasn't good for her, but... It wasn't particularly bad for her, I think, because I think she was already that person. It just, like, pushed her to be, like, even more so. Um, Yeah. I did think that, like, it would have been really cool to see her marry, like, a wizard or a squib or someone with some connection to the magical world or even, like, knowledge of it. Um, That would have, like, brought her closer to Lily in that way and helped her raise Harry the correct way. Um... 
I think I I feel like seeing I feel like I could really see her like being with a squid because I feel like that's kind of how she feels, even though she wasn't raised thinking she would be magical, just like feeling that rejection. I think she could re- relate to the to a squib in that sense, and like. I think that would have made her feel closer to Lily. Yeah, I think you bring up like very interesting points about their relationship because like on the outside looking in, it may not seem like the happiest, like most healthy relationship, but at the end of the day, like you said, they both, like that's what both of them wanted in life, you know? And is it really our point, like our place to judge them for that, you know? Yeah. Like it may not be our idealized, like, relationship or way a marriage should be if but if that's what both of them wanted and like they're not bringing each other any harm at the end of the day yeah. it's like is it really our place to judge right exactly and like I really do think that like a different person could have brought out that like inner petunia you know the center of the onion and I think <laughs> I think that would have been great for her it would have been great for Harry but like she didn't want to find that person, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. Because I don't think it's nearly as bad as we, like, want it to be, you know? Like, yeah. we want to say that, like, the Weasleys have a perfect, beautiful marriage and the Dursleys don't. But, like, I don't know. I'm not saying the Dursleys' marriage is beautiful. I think there's a lot of issues with it in the fact that, like, even though we don't see them be harmful to each other, like, there does seem to be some sort of suppression that, like, Vernon is putting on Petunia. And, like, yes, an ideal relationship helps you grow as a person and, like, should bring that out within you, but, like, I just don't think it was as unhealthy as I originally thought it was. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I would agree. It was very interesting to think about because I've never really, like, thought about their relationship with each other that much honestly I feel like when we talk about Petunia yeah. it's always like her relationship with Harry her even like her relationship with Dudley more than her relationship with Vernon so yeah so this next section I'm going to talk about her parenting of both Dudley and Harry and kind of comparing how she raised both of them I don't know how much help Vernon was in raising either of these <laughs> children so We'll see. It might have all been Petunia's fault. Everything. So before I get started, I just want to preface by saying we always talk about how the Dursleys were, like, abusive to Harry and how, like, living in the the Dursleys' house was, like, very damaging to Harry. I also think that the way they raised Dudley had some repercussions on him Mm -hmm. and his (laughs) mental health and health in general. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to talk about Harry first and then I'm going to talk about Dudley. So Harry was treated like he wasn't wanted because he wasn't. Um, And I think something that I thought about for the first time that I've never really thought about before, I think that not only did the Dursleys not want to take Harry because he was, like, magical and Lily's son and all of this other stuff, I don't think they wanted another child. Like, I think that they were fully prepared to just have, like, an only child, spend all of their energy on him, and, like, be done having kids. Yeah, I agree. Um... So I think there's, like, a little bit of both of those things in resentment. Um, Like, I don't know. 
I guess you could say they had an extra bedroom, so maybe they weren't like set. But the extra bedroom was like a guest bedroom, so. Um, and I believe that Petunia hated Harry because he was a reminder of her sister and how Lily was special and Petunia wasn't and kind of bringing up all of those like long repressed resentments that we've been talking about this entire episode. I think also a reminder that like the fact that he's there means Lily is now dead and like she can never repair that relationship, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That has to be really sad. I've never thought about it Uh like that. Yeah. Um, So, something else is that, like, we've talked about the layers to Petunia so much this episode. So, she definitely puts off the air that she's resentful to her sister, like, resentful of her sister dying and, like, leaving Harry with them. Yeah, they say that, like... They were stupid to die. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's all my sister's fault. Like, if she just hadn't have died, I wouldn't have had to put up with you, Harry. You know? Mm-hmm. But, like, how true is that kind of thing yeah. is the question. Yeah. I think that no matter how much or, like, how strange your relationship with your sister is, like, to have that sort of feeling towards them is, like, unfathomable to me. Mm-hmm. You know? I agree. I think she didn't feel that way. I think she... It was easier for her to to act like she felt that way than it was to confront the fact that she ruined her relationship with her sister and she's never going to get that back and that, like, maybe the good thing to do is to then, like, raise Harry in the way that her sister would have wanted him raised and, like, dedicate raising Harry to her. I think that was the hard thing to do, and I think the easy thing to do was to repress her feelings. Ha-ha. And pretend that she still resented Lily. Like, another thing she resented Lily for, and that's why she did it. Yeah, I also think that that's the easier option because I believe that's how Vernon actually felt deep down. So she could just kind of like hop on that bandwagon pretty quickly or pretty easily. Um, So I don't have a whole much, like, I don't have a whole lot else to say just because I feel like this is something that is so prevalent in like both the Harry Potter series and just like the Phantom in general. Just talking about all of the ways that Harry was mistreated by the Dursleys, you know, like he wasn't really fed. Nothing was ever his. He was always seen as a burden. They treated him like he did. They didn't want him there. They made that very obvious to him and just kind of the effect that that had on his personality later and how it kind of had this, like, it was basically a miracle that Harry turned out to like be the way he is, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of since he's seen being treated so bad, like, He took the tact of, like, my life has been so much, like, so difficult in the past that, like, anything is better, almost, you know, Mm -hmm. and he felt, like, very responsible, like, for other people's happiness, and that's just something that, like, I don't think would happen to a lot of people in the situation that he was put in. Um, Something that is kind of off-debated within the community is if the Dursleys were ever physically abusive to Harry. And there are some instances that point to yes, that they were. I believe in the first book specifically, there's an instance where, like, Petunia, like, swings the frying pan at him. Mm -hmm. Like, Harry dodges it. Um, 
So it seems like that's kind of like a regular thing. Like he expects frying pans being swung at him. Um, but I also wonder if it's actually ever like happened, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like if Petunia's actually ever hit him with the can. Yeah. Um, yeah. And kind of, I wonder what Harry's magic response would be in those situations. Because we see it in times when they, like, give him a bad haircut. Which is, like, kind of a form of abuse in, like, anyways. You know, like, Mm. tormenting him, basically. Giving him bad, like, ugly clothes to wear. And we see how the magic responds in that way. So it would have been very interesting to see how, like, the magic inside him would respond to, like, him being physically abused. Yeah, I think in my head, now that I'm thinking about it, like, I think that they, like, kind of had the intent to physically abuse him, you know, like, Petunia, like, swinging a frying pan. I don't think they were ever, like, I'm gonna, like, beat this kid up to show him a lesson, but I think it was always, like, in the moment, which is not excusable at all, it's still child abuse, but I think in the moment, I can definitely see, like... Vernon and Petunia like lashing out and slapping him or something but I think that maybe I could headcanon that like Harry's magical response was like to not let it happen in some way you know like the fact that he could dodge the frying pan like something would always happen like some magical things would happen and it would like distract right before he was about to get hit or something like that I don't know yeah I mean I feel like that's very plausible because like I said like his response to getting the bad haircut was that his hair just grew back overnight to, like, look completely normal. Like, he ran away from the bullies and he ended up, like, on the top of the roof, you know? I could definitely see, like, his magic response kind of giving him the ability to dodge or something like that. So I wonder if, like, it ever really did connect and if, like, how much the Dursleys, like, knew that it wasn't going to be successful when they did it as well, like, on the flip side. Like, once they figured out you know I don't know I don't know it's something that's often debated and I think that there are a lot of things in the book that maybe allude to him to that being the case but yeah I don't know so then oh Um, can I jump in before you go into Dudley for a sec I will say it's been a while since I've read Cursed Child and we know how we all feel about that but the one thing I wanted to point out with Petunia and Harry's relationship is that I believe in, like, the nightmares that Harry has. I believe, like, it's of Petunia doing things to him, right? Mm. Like, I think Petunia is the one in the, like, nightmares that are callbacks to his childhood. Um, And I, like, I don't think Vernon is in them. Which isn't to say Vernon didn't do terrible things. Obviously he did terrible things to Harry, but I think... With Vernon going off to work and Petunia being that constant in the house, um, I think that she maybe was the perpetrator of that more, like, everyday abuse and resentment that Harry, that made, that affected Harry mentally, um, if not physically, we don't know. Yeah, and then, like, on the flip side of that, the explicit abuse that we see is, like, generally kind of Vernon-led. You know, like, locking him in the rooms, barely giving him food, putting the bars on his window. And I think that it's important to point out that, like, Petunia didn't stop any of those things either. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, she's a very complicated character, and I think that when people dive into her character, they get, they tend to, like... I think she kind of almost has, like, Snape syndrome in, like, a little bit of a way. You know, like, when people dive into her character and actually have discussions about, like, who she is and why she is the way she is, she gets a lot of sympathy. 
from yeah. people, but they think it's also very important to like remember the actual yeah. things that we see happen without like in the course of the books. And that she was like an adult who made these choices. Yeah. The same way like Snape was an adult who made the choices to bully children. Like yeah. they're Yes, we can look at the reasons that caused that for both of them, but I I personally can't excuse those actions. And I can be sympathetic to Snape being bullied as a child. I can be sympathetic to Petunia and the, the rejection she must have felt and how terrible that must have been for her to go through. Um, but in the end, like they're responsible for their actions, and I think that they both did really terrible things to children specifically both of them to Harry and while I can try to understand them I can't I can't defend them yeah and I mean at the end of the day I also think it's important to like remember that these are characters as well and so I think that it doing these like deep dives and kind of going more into like why people are the way that they are well I think that it gives me an appreciation for their character like Petunia is a much more interesting character to me now like, obviously, we've had so yeah. much to discuss about her, but that doesn't make me like her character anymore. You know, like, I think that yeah. sometimes those two yeah. things get conflated, like, just because they're an interesting character and I like to talk about them and think about, like, why they are the way they exactly. are. Like, I, that doesn't mean I have to like them. Yeah, like, I can, like, I think this often comes back to me for Snape, but, like, I love, like, character of Snape. Yeah. I love the role he plays in the story. I think he's incredibly well written. I think he's interesting there's layers to him (laughs) like there are so many things to talk about but I do not like him as a person I do not defend the things he does I don't condone the things he does I don't I don't like the things he chooses to do I don't I don't even like when he's in scenes to be honest I get annoyed yeah but like I like how he interacts with the story yeah or how he like what he serves for the story yeah think that that's important to remember because I think like I said those two things can get completed a lot of times and I think even I do that during episodes like oh what episode was it maybe the it wouldn't be the Lockhart episode there's no way I would have like had sympathy for him was it Bellatrix maybe Bellatrix or like Peter I feel like I was like oh man like I have a new appreciation for them like oh such a good character but like there's a difference between them being like an interesting and like well-written and like interestingly motivated character as opposed to them being like somebody who I like and enjoy yeah so Exactly. Yeah, I totally feel that way. Anyways, moving on to her relationship with Dudley, like, this is what I found more interesting, just because I feel like her relationship with Harry is, like, so obvious, you know? Like, how she mistreated him. It's so done. It's it's so over. Like, everybody talked about that already. It's so 2008. Um, Get that reference. Um, But the way she treated Dudley, I think, is kind of the, like, the thing that sometimes people don't always speak about. So... Both Petunia and Vernon, like, spoiled Dudley to no end. He got everything he wanted, and they just let him do, like, whatever he whatever he wanted to do. I think there's, like, a scene in the first book where it's, like, Dudley had just learned the word no, and so he just, like, say no to everything. And they didn't try and be, like, you can't just, like, say no and throw things all over the place. Like, you need to, you know, be a better kid, more well-behaved. And I don't think he ever got that growing up. Um... 
And they always made excuses for him in every situation. They saw him like they had such an idealized version of their dinky ditty dums that they thought that he could do no wrong even when they were like specifically confronted with wrong things that he had done. You know, like beating up kids. They were like, oh, he's just... He's just such a good boxer, you know, like he has to have an outlet, like he's just practicing, you know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one example specifically that I kind of thought of was the example when the smelting's nurse sends home like a note, like basically saying that like Dudley could could stand to be a little bit healthier, you know. And mm-hmm. I think that these parents letting their child live such an unhealthy lifestyle is like semi a form of abuse of this child you know I'm not saying that like everybody Mm -hmm. has to eat super healthy and be like super thin or like that kind of thing but just like the how unhealthy he was and they were like letting him do this and almost encouraging it is like yeah is not beneficial you know he was extremely unhealthy you know he wasn't just he wasn't you know, like, I, I, I want to toe a line because I don't want to seem like I'm, like, fat-shaming at any point during this discussion. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is a line between, like, what they were doing and letting him be so unhealthy, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think maybe we can get more into the, like, fat-phobic yeah. undertones. And not even undertones, like, explicit um, parts of the Dursleys when we talk about Vernon. Um because I think that's a big part of his description. Yeah. But I think with Dudley, I think I get what you're trying to say. And yeah, the fact the fact that it, it wasn't that he was a fat kid or a large kid. It was that he was unhealthy and it like wasn't good for him. And yeah. I know that like often I want to point to the fact that like the nurse was concerned about it mm-hmm. um I don't think that fully justifies what we're trying to say here though because we often like even our healthcare system tells people they need to lose weight when they don't yeah. like they're perfectly healthy how they are but I think in my eyes the way that Del- that how um Dudley was eating and the way that they were feeding Dudley and letting him become was unhealthy like as a threat to him like not just like yeah, I know what you mean. Well, I also <laughs> think it's very different in comparison to, like, a child as well as an adult. You know, like, you, like, how unhealthy he was, I think, was exacerbated by the fact that he was, like, still a child at this point and, like, still developing yeah. and all of this stuff. And just, like, the way that they let him kind of, like, go off the rails and not even try and raise him in a healthy lifestyle because of what he wanted and just, like, letting him yeah. eat whatever he wanted, letting him sit at the computer for however many hours a day, like, not being active yeah. was, like, I think could have been detrimental to his health and like may well have been you know yeah so yeah. I do want to like be very clear that like there's a difference between what I'm saying and being fat phobic or fat shaming because I don't want it to come across like that at all but I do think yeah. that it's something to point out in the way that he was raised the solution we can also agree was not no <laughs> like like starving him yeah like is what they did like that was not the right answer no going like straight to rabbit food as Vernon says like 
<laughs> that's not healthy either. And I think like a bigger picture to like kind of what we're talking about is that there were no boundaries with Dudley growing up. Yeah. Like he could, like yeah. I've said before, he could do whatever he wanted and he created like unhealthy habits, both in eating just kind of like who he was. Like he was a mean bully of a person. The way he treated people. Yeah. yeah. And they never tried to like put a stopper on that at any point. And yeah. I think that really, and like especially how he expressed emotions, like he almost used his emotions as like a manipulation tool with his parents. Like he mm-hmm. could cry and he knew that if he cried, he would get whatever he, he wanted. Yeah. So I think that also. And they did the easy thing and like satisfied him in the moment with all of those things. Yeah, so I think Even that, though in the long run, it would have been better to like teach him that he can't get whatever he wants or teach him that he needs to be nice to Harry or whatever, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think specifically with like his emotions, I think that really gave him an unhealthy relationship with like how to use his emotions and how to feel his emotions at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. And on top of that, we know that the Dursleys didn't set a good example for Dudley on how to act because they also bullied Harry and treated Harry like he was less than them. And so even if, like, in some theoretical world, like, the Dursleys raised Dudley to be better, like, they still would have shown him, you know, like, kids pick up on what their parents do more than what their parents tell them, so let's say even if they're like, oh, Dudley, you can't be so mean to Harry, but then they turn around and, like, try to smack him with a frying pan, like, Dudley's gonna pick up on that, too, Yeah. you know, Yeah. and especially with Harry being, like, such a constant, especially when growing up, I think that really gave Dudley an idea of, like, how people deserve to be treated by him. Like, he thinks that he's better because he's told that he's better than Harry, and Harry is kind of, like, the one person he grows up with, and so he thinks that that, he thinks that that extends to, like, everybody, if that makes sense. Yeah, Um, for sure. So I do think that the Dursleys gave Dudley some lasting damage that hopefully he kind of worked out later in life. It seems that he might have. Um, You know, he got married. He had kids. He seems to have made some sort of amends with Harry, at least like a mutual understanding. Um, But I do think that maybe not to the extent that they abused Harry, but I do think that like Dudley had some, some things he had to work through after coming out of the Dursley household. Yeah, for sure. They failed them both, I think. Yeah. So, this next section, um, don't have a ton to say, but kind of just, like, speculating on what could could have been in the letter um, that was given to Petunia and Vernon along with Harry. Because this is kind of a thing um, that people speculate a bit because in Order of the Phoenix, when Petunia is going to give... um, let Harry leave. They're kicking Harry out of the house, not letting him leave. Um, Dumbledore sends a howler and says, like, remember my last. And so that is thought to mean this letter that was left on the doorstep with Harry. Um, some people think that it could possibly refer to the letter that Dumbledore wrote to her. Um... I don't really like that. Like, the letter that Dumbledore wrote to her when she was wanted to go to Hogwarts. I don't know. I feel like that theory doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Because I don't know what would have been in that letter. Um, that would have, like, maybe about, like, a placement. Like, would be... Yeah. Would make and sense like, in context of this situation. That wasn't 
his last letter to her, like... Yeah. Well, something else that has always, like, been intriguing to me with the Remember My Last, like, Pachinia's reaction to it was, like... Yeah. She was, like, done. Yeah. She's, like, Harry cannot go. It wasn't, like, a, oh, like, oh, he just told me that, like, I had to take care of Harry because I owe it to my, like, nephew. Like, it seems yeah. like there was, like... It was, like, end of conversation. Yeah, like, a threat yeah. of some sort. Like, remember what I threatened in that letter. Like, it yeah. still holds today. So... I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, it, on the wiki, it says that in the movie, the letter is addressed to Vernon and Petunia. You can see it in the movie. It says Mr. and Mrs. Dursley. And on the wiki, it claims that in the book, it's addressed only to Petunia. Um, but I checked the book, and, like, I don't think Dumbledore ever says that. So, I don't know where they've gotten that. Dumbledore, Dumbledore says, like, I've written them a letter, and then it says it put he puts the letter down. Um... I'm not sure where the wiki gets that, but I do think that it was more of a letter to Petunia than to Vernon. Well, yeah, because at the end um, of the day, it was not only like, oh, hey, this is your nephew, but it was like letting Petunia know that her sister died. died. Like, that's how Petunia found yeah. out. Yeah, so the things that, like, we know needed to have been in the letter, um, kind of detailing Lily and James's death, and then presumably the magical protections that Dumbledore took to place on Harry and number four, Privet Drive, um, and potentially some sort of instruction for raising Carrie or like what to expect with dangers, um, the significance of like who he was in the wizarding world, what he would come to be. Um, in a article from wizardingworld.com, it says, quote, the letter that accompanied him related how his parents had been murdered and asked the Dursleys to take him in. It explained that due to the sacrifice Lily had made in laying down her life for her son, Harry would be safe from the vengeance of Lord Voldemort as long as he could live. He could call the place where her blood still existed home. This meant that number four Privet Drive was his only sanctuary. Furthermore, another quote says, um, reading the shocking contents of Dumbledore's letter, however, which told her how bravely Lily had died, she felt she had no choice but to take Harry in and raise him alongside her own cherished son, Dudley. Um, so I think there has to be something, like, more to it than just, like, Lily was brave, so you have to be brave, too. Yeah. Sorry, I keep throwing my phone. I think, like, I do think there had to have been something of, like, a reference to, like, the good of, like, the entire world, not just the Wizarding World, but also the Muggle World, too, and, like, even, like, Vernon and Petunia and Dudley's safety, not that Dumbledore was, like, making a threat, but, like, the fact that, like, if Harry dies, there's no one to stop Voldemort coming back, and, like, all Muggles will basically get killed at that point, like, and I think that there had to have been something, like, really compelling her to keep Harry, and then that that would have come back to her in order. So, I don't know. Like, how, if he were to die, Lily's death would have been in vain. Like, I think it's got to be something, like, drawing on some love that she still holds for Lily and the significance of Harry to the wide, wider world. Yeah, I mean, I think that those are the most logical explanations, but I just, like, I don't know. I feel like the complete, like, 360 that, like, Petunia does when she gets that letter, and I don't know. 
I feel like it had to... Like, like you feel like there needs to be something more. Yeah, I do. Like, I feel like she wouldn't have just been like, oh, that's right. I loved my sister at one point, and, like, I have to do good for her. Or, like, Lily's death would have been in vain. Or even kind of, like, the danger of Lord Voldemort, because, like, I don't... I don't know how much that would have affected Petunia. Like, yeah. that she would have perceived it. Like, how much it she would have grasped it. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I like again. Those are definitely like the most plausible and like make the most sense. But I just it seems that like either Petunia had an uncharacteristically like stark reaction to that, and like a very well way, very well may have been that because just getting a letter from Dumbledore in the first place might have just like shocked her into like, oh he's still watching me, like he knows what's up, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. This also made me, like, this jogs something in my memory that I don't know whether it's true or if, like, this was just something I read somewhere or I came up with, but am I wrong in that, like, Petunia kind of set out with the intention of, like, raising Harry kind of equally, maybe not equally to Dudley, but, like, not being as, like, bad with him? I don't know. Am I, I making that up? I haven't read that anywhere. I feel like there's something that was, like, she planned on it, and then, like, the first time that he, like, cried or whatever, she was like, I'm done. (laughs) So she wasn't really committed to it. No, no, she wasn't committed at all. Like, (laughs) if anybody can let me know where I got that from, or if I just, like, that's a figment of my imagination, let me know. Yeah. I will say that I think the other thing that like I agree with you in that it's not particularly convincing that it's just like Lily died in vain the other like possibility is that like maybe Petunia responded mm. to that letter and like there's another one like she didn't tell Vernon yeah, that she was like writing back to Dumbledore and there was like another letter that Dumbledore wrote again in re- like in response to her that like did some more convincing Yeah, but I don't know yeah, or I don't know, maybe, like, kind of alluding to the fact of, like, she had to feel like her family was in danger. I wonder if Dumbledore kind of, like, spun it that was, like, if Voldemort ever, find, like, found out that Harry was, like, staying with you or that you were Harry's family, like, he would come after you, too. So the only way to keep yeah. him safe is to keep Harry safe. I don't know. Yeah. But it's interesting. And I think that moment in order, I was always, like, so confused. I feel like I just kind of never really understood what it, what it was referring to for yeah. kind of a long time. I still don't, really. <laughs> yeah. There's still questions. Um, but moving on to the where are they now section. So as we kind of mentioned earlier, she is, Petunia is considered dead at the time of Cursed Child, if you take Cursed Child as canon. So she died sometime between 1999 and 2020. And I do believe that it's probably closer to 2020 than 1999. Um, yeah, because like, she would have been like 38. I, I think, I think it's somewhere it was like, so she died, she was at least 38 when she died. Um, yeah. And I think it's like, I don't know. I would like to assume, I guess, that like she knew that she had grandchildren. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so she was a grandmother of two children. Like I mentioned earlier, Dudley gets married and has two children. And another big point from Cursed Child in relation to Petunia, when Dudley was cleaning out number four Privet Drive after both of his parents died, he found that Petunia had kept Harry's blanket that he was dropped on her doorstep in. And Dudley gave it back to Harry. 
who then gives it to Elvis, who then is a little bitch about it and <laughs> complains about it. So, mm. yeah. That is how that goes down. <laughs> so, I mean, there's like, I don't know, you can read into the fact that she kept Harry's blanket all of these years, however much you want. Um, Maybe she was just a hoarder. Yeah, I mean, she could have just, like, kind of forgotten that she kept it. I mean, I don't know if my first instinct if I got a baby was to be like, oh, there goes, like, I'm throwing that blanket out right this instant, you know? She might have, like, used it. Like, she might not have wanted to buy anything else for Harry, so that was, like, the blanket he used. Yeah. And then just put it upstairs with all the baby stuff and forgot about it. I do think it's almost more telling that she did not give it back to him. And yeah. she kept it. I mean, honestly, she might have forgotten about it, but who knows? Yeah, that's true. Maybe she died unexpectedly and was planning on giving it to her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because how old would she have been in 2020? Like, I feel like she's still like, been that old, like 60? Literally 60, maybe 62, 63. Yeah, so she died young. And I guess Vernon kind of, well, I guess if we're assuming that Vernon is like five years older-ish, he would have been like, closer to 70 but still not super old i think that them that her or both of them i don't know if her supposed to be dead in cursed child like i think that that's just a plot device for cursed child probably i also like so that dudley can be the one to give the blanket or something yeah, yeah. i mean i also wouldn't be surprised if vernon like kind of died younger <laughs> like i don't think he lived the healthy healthiest of lifestyles both yeah. like Food and, like, body-wise, as well as, like... Alcohol. Yeah, alcohol. And, like, mentally, I think he, like, was very stressed, like, all the time. (laughs) Are you concerned about the fact that your favorite Harry Potter characters go to a magic school that doesn't teach them practical skills, like basic arithmetic or what an element is? Did you go to a magic school that didn't teach you practical skills, like basic arithmetic or what an element is? If any of the above applies to you, you should check out our podcast. That's Not How Science Works, hosted by myself and my truly awesome co-host, Nicole. In our podcast, Caitlin and I discuss the science in different pieces of media, such as movies or TV shows, and dissect whether it's good, bad, or just plain ridiculous. Often, we also have special guests who help us rant about bad science and their areas of expertise. We release new episodes every other Monday, and you can find us wherever you usually download your podcasts. We like to think of this as a podcast for the science curious. So whether you're a practicing scientist or a wizard who just graduated high school with no practical life skills, we'd love for you to listen in. You can also find out more by going to our website, thatsnotscience.com, or by looking us up on Twitter, at TNHSWpod. We hope you give us a listen. Now back to your regularly scheduled Potterheads, Katie and Audrey. Okay, so for our pop quiz, this is an interesting question. Would you rather know about the magical world and, like, know that it exists and not be able to, like, be a part of it or not know that it exists at all and, like, live in blissful ignorance? Yeah, so I want to emphasize that, like, when I wrote this question... In both scenarios, it's an either-or. There are two scenarios. You get two options. And in both scenarios, you are a muggle who cannot, like, be part of the world. You either know it exists and you're on the outside, or you don't know it exists and you're also on the outside. So, our Facebook group did not do particularly (laughs) well with that. Because I do specifically say, be on the outside. So, I'll read people's responses. 
<laughs> Micah said, be a muggle that marries into the world. Leia said, be a muggle and worm my way into the magical world. <laughs> Anne said, be a muggle and marry into the wizarding world. <laughs> Linda said, everyone has chosen a third option that they weren't given. I'm a rules follower. I'd rather be in the dark and not know. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> Lisa said, haha, I like that almost everyone added an option. I'm with them. I would at least like to have some wizarding friends. Taryn said, I would like to know it exists even if I can't participate in it, but if I can know some witches and wizards so I can have some magic in my life, that would be better. I think we can all agree that the third option is the best option. Yeah, well, so it's interesting because... But that's because, not... That wasn't an option. But it's interesting because, number one, this is the Petunia episode, so it's like the question is kind of Petunia-based. Like, she was not part of the Wizarding World, but like her sister was, so... That's kind of similar to being married into the wizarding world. Like, if she kept up a relationship with her sister, like, she would have a similar, I'm not part of the wizarding world, but I am experienced, like, marrying into it. So that's kind of the first first thing. The second thing is, in what scenario would a muggle know about the wizarding world, but, like, not have a personal connection to it? Because, like, your mind would be wiped in any other situation. You know what I mean? Like, if you're a prime minister. Yeah, but, like, then, theoretically, like, you, you, then you know a wizard, you know? Like, okay, but it's a hypothetical question. <laughs> I guess. That you don't have, you don't have, like, a personal connection to that wizard, you know? Yeah, I mean, you could become friends with them. Who knows? You could marry I them. I just think that if, if it's would you rather know about it and be, like, sidelined to it or would you rather not know it exists, like, yeah. it's an obvious question. So the better would you rather is, like... Would you rather know it exists and, like, not be at all yeah. able to be a part of it? Or would you not? Would you rather not know it exists at all? I still would rather know it exists, even if I couldn't at all be a part of it, because I just, like, like to know things. And I know that, like, you... Obviously, I wouldn't know that I didn't know something if I didn't know it exists at yeah. all. But it would bother me to, like, find out at some point that there was this whole world that didn't exist and even if I could that existed and even if I couldn't tell anyone like if the stipulation is like I know it exists and I can't tell anyone and I can't interact with it at all I would still want to know because I would just like like to have that knowledge okay well it's definitely a very Ravenclaw answer um I think that if that were the case for me I would be like going insane like first off not being able to talk about it with anybody would like drive me insane um, I'm not, like, not that I'm not good at keeping secrets, but I'm not good at keeping secrets. <laughs> um, I just, like, I like to talk about everything with other people. And second, I think that then I would start to question, like, is anything in my life real or is it just because, like, magic you know, like, do the seasons change? Mm. Like, is that science or is that magic? Like, <laughs> is the fact that I didn't, like, I wasn't somewhere when some tragedy happened, like, did magic intervene and make it that way? Or was that, like, fate? Like, I feel like I would go crazy. So, I'm going to go is, with... That is a good point, Not though. now. Okay. If, like, if, if we're sticking to the rules of the question... Yes, no. it's a would you rather. You can't come up with other options. Uh, I am disappointed in everyone but Linda. 
<laughs> I will say that other people pointed out that people were breaking the yeah, rules. But, but then they still did it. So are they any yeah. better? Step up your game. <laughs> Facebook group. Yeah, so, I don't know. I think, like, I think I have to choose. I don't know that exists. Okay. Because then, at least, like, that's the assumption that I'm, like, under right now. And, like, theoretically, I still could be, like, it's out there. Even if I don't know. Like, I could still, like, use my imagination. You know? All right. So, I feel like I haven't done this in a while. How does this go? Um... You can get our episodes every other Tuesday on all your favorite podcast platforms. Um, And if you're a patron, you can get them every Monday. Just download that RSS feed and you're a day ahead of everybody else. And don't you love being ahead of people? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But please, please, please rate and review us on those platforms. I think we did not get... We didn't give Katie her Christmas present. No, unfortunately not. But my birthday is coming up at the end her of the year. Her birthday is coming up. So, guys, I don't have to buy her a birthday present <laughs> if you get seven more ratings in. Yeah, we're still at 43. So I have two new things to add to my normal spiel. One is I experimented with the fact of, like, if you could get Alexa to play our podcast. And you can. So you can say... Wow. Alexa, I'm sorry to people who have Alexas and are maybe listening to this out loud, but you can say, Alexa, play the podcast, Wizard Studies Cruising Nothing Potter, and she'll play the most recent episode. So, fun fact. Wait, that's so cool. Yeah, try it out. Alexa knows us. I know. I thought it was pretty cool. The second thing I'm going to add to my spiel is just another reminder that we have a Patreon, and if you haven't noticed in the past couple episodes, our audio has been like, really struggling my mic in particular is like on its last legs here (laughs) we might have to throw her out here pretty soon so we would really appreciate it if you guys could contribute to patreon if you're in a position to do so to help get us new microphones because in the end that'll just up the quality of our podcast in the long run so if you are annoyed by the audio problems that we've had way to fix it support us on patreon Also, I'll add to that little spiel, like, baseline, like I mentioned, you get episode a day early, you get a little package from us, regardless of how much you contribute, Um, and then you can always get more episodes if you contribute $5 or more per month. Yeah. So, some good perks on there. Go check it out. Yeah, and if for some reason, I know that, like, I think I mentioned this in an episode semi-recently, but if you're contemplating being a patron, or if you already are, and we don't have a perk that you would like to be added on there, like, let us know what you want. Like, at the end of the day, the Patreon is for you guys. Like, we want to, like, give you back things for contributing to us. So if there's a perk that you don't see on there that you want and you would be interested in us, like, giving you, let us know. So there's my different spiel. My normal spiel is you can find us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Wizard Studies Podcast and Twitter at Wizard Studies Pod. And you can join our Facebook group at Wizard Studies Podcast Group. You can also email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. Awesome. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best, we'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot.